بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا فورتھ آف فیبروری ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی فور اینڈ الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا فورتھ سیشن النور اینڈ آئی ریچ ورس تھری So inshallah to spend the session on this verse. So verse 3. Audhu billahi minash shaitan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Let no man guilty of adultery or fornication marry any but a woman similarly guilty or an unbeliever. Nor let any but such a man or an unbeliever marry such a woman. To the believers, such a thing is forbidden. <coughs> so, a few reports. So, this narration is recorded in Sayyid Muslim, Imam Ahmad in his Muslim. So, like I mentioned, in verse 2, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that part of the punishment for the zani or those committing zina is flogging a hundred times. But from the Sunnah, <laughs> but from the Sunnah, we find that the punishment is supplemented by banishment for one year. Ubadi ibn As-Samit radiyallahu, he relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, take from me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a decree for them. A virgin, i.e. committing zina with a virgin, 100 lashes and banishment for one year, i.e. for the month. And a married, i.e. committing zina with a married, 100 lashes and stoning. So in this authentic report, it mentions the duration of the banishment. It mentions one year. In another report, in Abu Nu'im Daylami, and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi said, Sahih in As-Sahihah, number 1808, Obey Ibn Qa'ab radiyallahu He relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa The two married ones i.e. committing zina are to be lashed and stoned and the two virgins i.e. committing zina are to be lashed and exiled. However, the banishment is only applied to the fornicating man and not the fornicating woman. A woman is weaker and needs protection that may not be available for her if she is exiled. And I mentioned the fiqh of this, i.e. in the previous sessions, but it's referring to the man. And if you look at the wording, the Prophet didn't mention uh, the couple. He mentioned the one committing zina. So this is the, the first report. Also, <coughs> there's a report. So this is a combined report in Sayyid Bukhari, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Tahawi, And refer to Inwa Ul-Ghalil, number 2340. Imam Sha'bi, rahmatullahi alayhi, relates. During the rule of Ali, radiyallahu, a woman called Shuraha from the tribe of Hamadan committed zina and became pregnant whilst her husband was away with the army in Sham. So stop in the report. So who's committed zina? A woman. Her name is Shuraha. When did she commit this sin? 
made the matter even worse. Her husband's on jihad. He's, he's away. She was brought before Ali, and she confessed. So she wasn't caught. She confessed that she committed zina. Ali asked, Did a man rape you while she was asleep? She said, No. He then asked, You were probably raped by force. She said, No. He asked, Probably your husband came to you secretly, leaving his post with the army. She said, No. He was trying to help her to possibly say yes to one of his questions. So stop in the report. Just like the Prophet trying to save the woman. Say an excuse, come out with something so you don't have to, you know, be stoned. She's strong. She goes, No. The report continues. When she did not, he commanded that she be imprisoned until she delivered her baby, because she's pregnant. After delivery, he summoned the woman who was most closely related to her and gave her the baby. On Thursday, he had her brought out in front of the public and lashed her 100 times. So she's given birth. The child is then given maybe to the aunt, the closely related, maybe you know, Allah alim, but possibly the aunt. Then she's brought out and she's lashed 100 times. Why? Verse 2. The Quran says, lash them 100 times. This was Thursday. On the following day, Friday, a hole was dug for her in the ground as deep as her navel and he had her stand in it. The people surrounded her for stoning. He, Radiyallahu said, this is not how stoning is done. You might then hit each other. Rather stand in rows, one row behind the other, like you do for salah. Then he addressed the people and he said, If a woman is charged with zina because of pregnancy or confession, the imam will be the first to stone her, followed by the people. But if she is charged because of witnesses' testimony, the witnesses would be the first to stone her, followed by the imam and then the other people. So Amir al-Mu'mineen clarified that. So he had to throw the first stone. The hadith continues. He then launched a rock at her, hitting her on the temple, causing her to pass out. Meaning now she's like, you know, in modern day terminology, you know, they've given her anesthetic. So she doesn't know what's happening now. The people followed him one row after the other until she passed away. After that, he said, do for her what you do for your dead ones. I do the janazah and burial. So somebody then asked Amir al-Mu'mineen, you whipped her and then you stoned her. Meaning, what was the point of whipping? He said, I whipped her according to the Quran. And I stoned her according to Rasulullah Sunnah. So this is the report. But what, why have I mentioned it? Because it gives you the details about how to stone. Notice again, it's not like any Tom, Dick and Harry. There has to be people who know what they are doing. And very interestingly, Ali hit her on the temple. That's, that's the ilm. How do you strike a woman on the temple? 
Why? Because he wanted, didn't want her to feel pain. He wanted her just to be quickly, you know, the soul to leave the body. So all of this is helping to explain. But like I mentioned, most of the scholars say there's no whipping. This was the view of Sayyidina Ali. And they say that all the reports indicate there was no... But again, we understand why there's a difference of opinion. So now, moving to the verse at hand. So if you look at verse 3, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that only the one who commits zina should marry the one committing zina. Quran is saying that. He goes, this is not for a, a believer. It's only for a zani or a kafir. So what does that mean? Or a kafir. I'm going to explain that, inshallah. So there's a report. So this narration is recorded in Abu Dawood, Ahmad, Hakim, and Shaykh al-Bayn, rahmatullah, stated Sahih in As-Sahihah, number 2444. Habib al-Mu'allim reported that a man from Al-Kufa came to Amr ibn Shu'ib. So who's Amr ibn Shu'ib? Amr ibn Shu'ib is the great-grandson of Abdullah ibn Amr. So he's the great-great-grandson of Amr ibn al-As. And said, Would it not surprise you to learn that Hassan al-Basri, he says, a whipped fornicator may not marry but a female whip four naked like himself. So what was the query? They thought this is strange. Because why is he restricted a woman who's committed, you know, who's not married, who's committed zina, and she's got whipped. Hassan al-Basri was saying she can now only marry a man who's committed the same crime. Amr rahmatullah replied, why does this surprise you? This has been reported to us from Sa'id al-Maqbiri, from Abu Huraira that Rasulullah said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a whipped fornicator may not marry, but one who is like himself. So this is the authentic report in Abu Dawud. So it seems like a clear matter. Okay. Zani, mari zani. In regard to this hadith, Hafiz al-Shawqani rahmatullahi said in Nail al-Awtar 6-283 This presents evidence that it is not permissible for a woman to marry a man who is known to commit zina. Similarly, it is not permissible for a man to marry a woman who is known to commit zina. This is further proved by verse 3 of Surah Nur. So some scholars take it literally. Because if a man has committed zina, he can only marry a zani. Because the hadith seems clear and the verse is even more explicit. Then there's another report. In Nasai Abu Dawood, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi said sahih in Irwa al-Ghalil number 1886. Amr ibn Shu'ib relates from his father, from his grandfather, Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu anhu. That Marthid ibn Abi, Marthid al-Ghanawi, used to help Muslim captives run away from Makkah. So, stop in the report. So, there was a noble man, and he used to help the Muslims who were captured in Makkah to escape. But he was undercover. He was hiding his you know, identity. A prostitute in Makkah called Anak was his girlfriend. 
He came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and asked, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, May I marry Anak? Rasulullah did not say anything sallallahu alayhi wa sallam until this verse was revealed, I verse 3 of Surah Nur. He then summoned him and said, Do not marry her. <laughs> Meaning, how can you marry a woman who's, who's selling her body? She's a zani. And then he quoted this verse, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So now, Hafiz ibn Qayyim, this is why it's so important to get commentary. He says in Ighathat al-Lahfan 1-66, What explains the prohibition is that this crime causes harm to the husband's mattress, I honor, and spoils the kinship relationships that Allah the Almighty established amongst the people so that they could pursue their affairs. Thus, one of the beauties of the Sharia it's his prohibition of marrying an adulteress until she repents and purifies her womb. That's the clarification. So why? Why can a zani marry a zani? Because the womb is not pure. She has to wait until the womb is pure. Otherwise, if she gets married, it might not be the husband's child. But she repents. Now look what Ibn Qayyim said. If she repents and purifies her womb, then she can marry anyone. The repentance gets rid of it. That's what Ibn, uh, Ibn Qayyim said. Rahmatullah Hafiz Ibn Qayyim also said, Rahmatullah in Zad al-Ma'ad 5-114, As for marrying a non-repentant adulteress. Think about that. So she's not repentant. Allah the Almighty has indicated its prohibition in Surah Nur, I verse 3. And He subhanahu wa ta'ala indicated that anyone who marries her is a fornicator or a mushrik. The Quran is telling you that. Because the only one who will marry her is somebody who's like her, a zani, which is what Allah Ta'ala said you can, or what does he say? Mushrika. An I a, a, a mushrik. Why? Ibn Qayyim said, this is because he either believes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's commands and the obligation of following them, or he does not believe in the commands. If he does not believe in the commands, he is a mushrik. And in the first, he would be a fornicator because he knew Allah Ta'ala's ruling and he disobeyed it. So look how beautiful. Allah Ta'ala says, only the one who is a zani can marry a zani. Or a mushrik. So the person goes, can a kafir marry a Muslim? No. If a man marries a woman and she's not repented, there's only two possibilities. The man knows the command of Allah. He accepts it, but he goes ahead with it. He believes in the command. Then, he is a fornicator, Allah Ta'ala says. But if he doesn't accept that command, why can't a marry her? I'm in love with her. Then he's a mushrik. He's denied the call. Have you understood? So that's why beautifully Allah Ta'ala mentions both there. But no, without commentary, you have no idea why Allah Ta'ala is referring to that. You know, subhanAllah. So now let's go to the report of that noble man who would help the weak. So there's a report. So this hadith is in Nasai, number 3230. Abu Dawud, number 2051. Uh, Tirmadi, number 3177, Hassan Gharib, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 2-166, Sahih, Zahabi Sahih. 
and his greater Hassan overall. So Abdullah ibn Amr, he relates, Marthad ibn Abi Marthad al-Ghanawi, a strong man who used to take the Muslim prisoners from Makkah to Medina. So look at the words he's using. وَقَانَ رَجُلًا شَدِيدًا وَقَانَ يَحْمِلُ الْأُسَارَ مِنْ مَقَّةَ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ So how did Abdullah ibn Amr describe it? Strong man. Rajulan Shadid. He goes, he, get, he would help the prisoners. He said, the Sahaba who's strong, I arranged with a man to bring him, I from Makkah to Al-Madinah, meaning he had correspondence with the prisoner. And he, he said, I arranged for his escape to take him to Medina. There was a prostitute in Makkah who was called Anak. And she was my, uh, my friend. She came out and saw my shadow on the wall. And she said, Man hadha marthadan marhaban wa ahlan ya marthad. In taliqil laylata fabit indana fil rahl. Who is this? Marthad, welcome, O Marthad. Come tonight and stay at our place. I said, Ya Anak, Inna Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam haram zina. O Anak, Rasulullah has forbidden adultery. Something happened. He's blown his cover. He was hiding his iman so he could help the Muslims. But he was so infatuated with this woman, Anak, that he basically hoped that she'd become Muslim, if you understood, kind of save her as well. So he said to her, Rasulullah, meaning, you know, he's explained that he's a Muslim. He's forbidden zina. She responded, Ya ahlal khiyam, hadha duldulu, hadha alladhi yahmilu, min Madina. O people of the tents, this porcupine is the one who is taking your prisoners from Makkah to Al Madina. So what did she call him? Porcupine. You traitor. You're the Muslim. Then she raised the alarm. It's him. He's taking the Muslim prisoners away. So Marthad radiallahu because I headed towards the mountain of Khandama and eight men came after me. This shows he was strong. Because we won him. So eight men after him. They came and stood over my head and they urinated. And they urine reached me. anni. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused them not to see me. <laughs> so what happened? He was cornered. He's on the mountain and he's thinking, you know, they're virtually on top of me. He couldn't see him. And then he goes, they started urinating. And then look what he said. He goes, the urine reached me, but still they couldn't see me. Allah was protecting him. Then he said, I went to my companion, the prisoner, and brought him to Allah Araq, where I undid his fetters. So what's happened? Before he got in contact with the prostitute, he'd already got the prisoner. Put him in a safe place. Look how wise he was. So when the men thought we, well, he's, he's, he's left, he's escaped, he then got the man who he had, you know, and undid his chains. Then I came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa and I said, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa 
ankihu anak shall i marry anak meaning i'm in love with that woman can i marry her he remained silent he did not answer me and then this verse was revealed the adulterous fornicator non marries except an adulterer fornicator or an idolater he then called me and he recited this verse to me and said la tankiha he goes do not marry her umar radiyallahu so now a few points Why was he called a strong man by Abdullah ibn Amr? Because he lived by theft and robbery in Jahiliyyah. Rasulullah thereupon sallallahu alaihi wasallam assigned him the task of retrieving Muslim captives in view of his vocation. In other words, he was expert robber, you know, strong. So because he repented, he came he became Muslim. Rasulullah used those strengths now for good. We understood. And then the she the shuyuk say, may Allah Taala be well pleased with him. So now, why somebody goes, well, what the heck? Does doesn't he know? <laughs> he can't marry a prostitute. So this shows that he just embraced Islam, right? And at the same time, look how his fitna protected him. He goes haram. He goes no. But he tried to help her because he was in love with her. He goes look. In other words, take take the shahada. I'll take you as well. She blew his cover. And then he came back. So note again. the beautiful narrations explaining this verse right and at the last explaining you know what the scenario is here also there's another report in sa'id ibn mansur in his sunan mujahid rahmatullah they said when allah the almighty made committing adultery prohibited there had been some beautiful prostitutes whom the people sought marrying them for the charming beauty they enjoyed the matter at which this verse was revealed so he wasn't just marfad other people wanted to marry those some of the prostitutes allah taala revealed this verse saying no forbidden <laughs> why of course because they are committing zina and of course they may not they may not even be muslims so one so now there's a few other things so, so this report is in nasai abu daud at tayadasi imam ahmad muslim there are several hadith reported by abdullah ibn umar Ammar ibn Yasir radiyallahu anhu for example Rasulullah said sallallahu alaihi wasallam the man who knows that his wife is immoral yet he continues to live with her he will not enter paradise astaghfirullah the man who knows that his wife is immoral yet he continues to live with her will not enter paradise meaning you need to have ghayra for your wife If you go, if she is like basically Abu Bilah doing what she is doing, and you are remaining with her, the Prophet goes, "You are in serious trouble." The then Sheikh Maududi in his commentary, volume eight, page eighty-five of the English translation, he said, "The policy followed by Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Umar radhiyallahu anhu was that whenever they found an unmarried couple guilty of zina, they would first award them the hundred stripes, and then would bind them in wedlock." Abdullah ibn Umar reports radiyallahu anhu a man in a troubled state of mind came to Abu Bakr radiyallahu he wanted to say something but he couldn't speak Abu Bakr radiyallahu asked Umar to take him to one side because find out what's troubling him so Umar took him to one side radiyallahu and the man said 
a person who was my guest committed zina with my daughter. Upon this, Umar radiallahu said, Woe to you! Why did you not keep the secret of your daughter hidden? Consequently, the boy and the girl were tried. They were given the hundred stripes. They were then bound in wedlock. And then exiled away from the city for the year. A few other incidents of this nature have been related by Qadi Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi in his Ahqam al-Qur'an, volume 2, page 86. So look how interesting. They then married. They put together in marriage, according to the Shaykhain Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu Right? They're given, they're put together in marriage. Have you understood? Right? So this is uh, what's interesting about the two, about the two Shaykhs. Also, Like I mentioned, repentance. So Mufti Shafi in his Ma'arif quran volume 6, page 357 of the English translation, he said, the term adultery is used for those men and women who do not repent and beg Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and stick to this evil habit. So it's very important. The Quran says adultery. Why have the scholars state that if they repent, they can get married? The Quran is saying the adultery. Okay, they've repented, but they've still committed that crime. So Mufti Shafi, he says, the term adultery is used for men and women who do not repent, beg Allah's mercy, and stick to this evil habit. Then Mufti Shafi said, in case of a repentant adultery man marries a chaste woman for the sake of housekeeping or for having children, there is no ban to this marriage in this verse. Similarly, if a repentant adulterer woman marries a virtuous man with the intent of leading a pure life, there is also no stopping for such a marriage in the light of this verse. Have you understood? So some people, they make a mistake. It's a big mistake. Because even if they repent from adultery, they still can only marry Another person who's committed the crime unrepented. And the response is no. Once they repent, they can marry a pure person. Then Mufti Shafi said, Rahmatullah, the majority of Muslim jurists like Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi are of the same view. Rahmatullah. It is also established that the companions of Rasulullah have solemnized such marriages. Tafsir ibn Kathir reports the same fatwa from Ibn Abbas. So again, very important. And now living in the West, this is common. You get, you know, especially amongst the men, now it's amongst the women as well, sadly. You get them married, you take them back home, you get them married. And they've been sleeping around. Right? So then the person goes, Astaghfirullah, yeah. Then the person goes, why are you taking them back home? To get married to a virgin. You can't do that. You can only marry a zani. Right? And then the response is, has he repented? And if he's still, now this is the tragedy. Now think about this. If he goes to get married, and he even both sometimes, I'm still got a girlfriend back home. Is that marriage valid? So now, his iman's in jeopardy. Why? Because either he knows this command, and he's weak, and he goes, I know I shouldn't be doing it. Then the Quran says he's a zani, still even though he's got married. 
Oh, God forbid. He goes, so what if there's a command? <laughs> then the Quran goes, he's a mushrik. So think about that. You're taking somebody to get him married. You made him into a kafir. <laughs> well done. This is why I saw, this is why the, the hadith, the men must know this surat. Right? Why do you think the hadith says that? And people think this is a small thing. And then they come back, they get married. They still sleep in a bar. Wife comes over, they still sleep in a bar. What, what the heck is happening here? Astaghfirullah. And then what happens? He repents afterwards. Well, that, you can repent afterwards, but have you took shahada again? You got, have you done your nikah again? Right? So again, no, this is the disaster that's happening. And what does the hadith say in Kanzul Oman? It says most of the Jal's followers are the illegitimate. And we're helping the Jal to come, you know, Muslims, imagine it. Not the kufar. No, they, they don't know any better, it says. Astaghfirullah. So this is why it's important for that individual, now sadly the women as well, they have to repent. The father has to sit them down and say, listen, I'm not asking whether you've been sleeping around. I'm not bothered. Repent. Do a sincere tawbah. Never to go back to it. If you did it, then you start arranging the marriage. Why? Because now everything's in order. She doesn't, or he doesn't need to tell her, her husband or wife anything about her previous life. I've repented for it. Right? And she needs to purify her womb. Right? So note again, now if somebody looks straight directly at the Quran, he's going to give a roni as fatwi. What the hell is this, brother? You're going to go back home and find a zani. And he goes, what do you mean go back home and find a zani? What sort of? He goes, no, the Quran is telling you that. And he's not giving, he's not quote, he's quoted the verse. He's misunderstood the verse. So again, this is important to highlight. So now just to add this to finish. So, Al-Qadi As-Safadi Al-Shafi'i, Rahmatullah, in his work, The Mercy in the Difference of Opinion, page 149 of the English translation, he mentions a few rulings which are important. If someone fornicates with a woman, it is not, on the line not, it is not unlawful for him to marry her or her mother or daughter, according to Imam Malik and Imam Shafi. So, you committed zina with a woman. According to Imam Malik and Imam Shafi, he can marry her. Not only that, he can also marry her mother or daughter because it was an unlawful relationship. According to Imam Malik and Imam Shafi. Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah says, the marriage barriers are established by zina. Thus, her mother and daughter are forbidden now. She can, he can marry her, like the two sheikhs, but he cannot now marry, even though he's committed zina with the woman, the mother of that woman, or the daughter, according to Imam Abu Hanifa. So there's a difference. Okay, interesting. Imam Ahmad Rahmatullah says, if someone commits sodomy with a boy, his mother and daughter are still lawful for him to marry. Toba. So even that crime, right, which is committed, according to Imam Ahmad, the mother and daughter of that boy, the boy, the man who committed that great crime can marry. Imam Shafi and Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahumullah, say, if a man commits zina with a woman and then marries her, they can have relations without an idda. What does that mean? So they've been caught. They've been purified. 
do the does the woman now need to obviously they're married does the woman have to wait until relationships until the womb is purified according to imam shafi imam abu hanifa no she doesn't need to wait imam malik and imam ahmad rahimahumullah say there must be an idda first so these are some of the rulings which are related to this verse so no this is why if you don't follow a school just follow your desires in it right look how much effort the scholars have made in making things easy for us we don't need to do anything if somebody says to you look how comfortable what do i do now brother stay away there's the machinery in progress the great scholars have looked into the quran and the sunnah yep this that this that there you go a person goes i don't i go direct to quran do what you want brother right you know look how dangerous it is do what you want you just ignored scholarship of 1250 years do what you want right so not again this is why it's so dangerous you know for people to leave aside this the scholar's understanding of the quran and sunnah and also just to add this in abu daud ibn abi hatim ibn katid's tafsir abu huraira radiyallahu said azani who has been flogged should not marry anyone except somebody who is like him so abu huraira also took the verse literally but like i mentioned if you repent then you are no longer an adulterer in the sight of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so all the verse what do you think أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الزاني لا ينكح إلا زانية أو مشرقة والزانية لا ينكحها إلا زان أو مشرق وحرم ذلك على المؤمنين We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He makes the Qur'an the Rabbi of our hearts. And I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any errors which I may have inadvertently uttered. Subhanahu wa ta'ala 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 subhanahu wa ta'